Cecile and I, uh, my wife Cecile and I, we were in, uh, well, we were leading a, a group of 10 SLI students, our servant leadership. <laughs> They're excited about the class, which is great. Cecile and I were, were uh, chaperoning, leading the students to, um, to Texas to a conference. And because of this, um, we weren't taking our kids with us, of course, and so um, we had to prepare our children for this because they were going to be without us as parents. Fortunately, they were going to stay with my, my parents. So, you know, we were talking to them about what, what we expected and how they, how they needed to be responsible and and uh, respect um, their nana and grandpa and all that good stuff and, you know, be civil, you know. Um, and, and preparing uh, Cecile's parents as well. Cecile met with, with my mom and talked about, you know, some of the plans she had made for them and food and all that stuff. So I, I mention this because Jesus, in the passage we're, we're going to be looking at in John 15, he also was preparing to go away. Um, now, he was, he was preparing to go to the cross. He was preparing to lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sins and then to rise again and ascend to his father. He was going to be gone more than four days. So he, he wanted to talk to his disciples and prepare them for this. And so he had some things to say to them. And so I want to give you that context so that you can understand just how important these words that he was speaking were. They're found in John 15, verses 9 through 17. They'll be up on the screen, and you can read them as I do. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus is about to do. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Here's the verse we're going to focus on. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Why would Jesus say those words? Well, you have to think about what's going to happen, because Jesus knows what's going to happen. And so think about it for a moment. This group of 11 disciples, because Judas has already left the room, he's not talking to him anymore. He's, Judas has gone off to prepare to betray Jesus. These 11 disciples 
had been following Jesus for three years. Jesus had been pouring his life into them. He had been teaching them and mentoring them and discipling them. And then Jesus was going to leave, but something was going to happen. All of the disciples were going to forsake Jesus. (laughs) All of them, in just a few hours, were going to forsake him. When Judas betrayed Jesus, that's what the Bible tells us. As Judas uh, walked up to Jesus, gave him a kiss on the cheek, identified him as the one to be um, arrested, and things began to unfold and the soldiers and the crowd were there, all of the disciples ran away. This is the group that Jesus was planning on building his church on. (laughs) And they were about to completely forsake him. Peter was going to deny him. And you remember in John 21, perhaps, that Jesus, after he was uh, raised from the dead, he went to the beach where they were fishing, and he, he set up a fire, and he was cooking some food on it, and they all recognized him, and they came, and that's when he commissioned them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But think about how they must be feeling. Think how they would have been feeling about this. The, the, the one that had believed in them, the one who had called them to follow him, they had abandoned him in his darkest hour. And so Jesus wants to remind them, before any of that happens, guys, you did not choose me. I chose you. When you feel disqualified because of what you're about to do, because you're about to run away and hide and forsake me, when you feel disqualified, remember, I chose you. It was my initiative that started this relationship between you and I. I actually did some choosing uh, this morning as well. I chose somebody, um, and so you need to check under your seat. Just put your hand down on the, un- underneath your seat in front of you. See if you can find anything. Just give you a moment to uh, see who, who has been chosen. Oh, look. Mr. Cormy, come on down. <laughs> come on up here. Come, come, up, come up on the platform. So... So I chose Lenny this morning. I'm not God, so not being omniscient, I didn't know it was Lenny that would be sitting in that seat, but I was able to choose the seat. I didn't know who would be sitting in it, but it was you, and I'm glad for that. So I have a question for you. Did, did you choose me, or did I choose you? You chose me. That's right. That's what it says on the card right there. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You are invited so, so I have something for you just because I embarrassed you and had you up on the platform. I'm not going to do that for nothing, you know. So, thank you. You can, you can go sit down. L- Lenny, yeah, go ahead. Give him another hand. I, I chose Lenny um, this morning. Well, I chose his chair, if we want to be technical about it. This morning, in between services, I, I kind of snuck up to the chair, sat down, 
and tucked something under it, trying to make sure nobody else saw. And it was successful. Lenny was chosen. I chose him between services. But do you know when God chose you? Do you know when Jesus chose you? Ephesians 1 verse 4, he chose you before the foundation of the world. Let that sink in for a moment. That's not just a Bible verse. That is a statement inspired by the Holy Spirit that God chose you before the foundation of the world. There's an interesting thing in, uh, that I want to draw your attention to in that phrase. There's a Greek word right in the middle of that phrase that hinges it, that's translated in English as but. And in Greek, it's the word Allah. Now, this is an interesting word because Jesus could have picked a different one. He could have w- picked a word that's um, day. It actually has the same translation in English. But this word actually is emphatic. It means this. You did not choose me. On the contrary, I chose you. That's what it means. It's an emphatic. So Jesus is trying to make sure his disciples know that when they forsake him and flee, when they feel like failures, when they feel like they don't deserve it, when they feel ashamed of their behavior, when they feel like they've let the Messiah down... It's not them that made that relationship happen. It was Jesus. He chose them. And I don't know where you're at in this room. Maybe you feel a bit like those disciples. Maybe you feel like you've let Jesus down. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve his love. Maybe you feel like maybe he's ashamed of you. But Jesus is God, which means he knows all things, which means that when he picked you, he knew who he was picking. You didn't surprise Jesus with your bad behavior, if that's what you're concerned about. You didn't surprise Jesus with the words you spoke that you wish you could take back, with the actions you took which you wish you could undo. Jesus knew you fully, completely, And before all of that, with all of that in his knowledge and understanding, he picked you. He chose you. Sometimes you might think that uh, you snuck in to God's family, but I have news for you. Nobody sneaks in to God's family. In fact, Jesus says, I am the door, right? There is no back door. There's only a front door. And he is the way into the family of God. And so it wasn't like Jesus was preoccupied for a moment. The door was open, you snuck in, and he's not aware of the fact that you got in. He knows that you're in his family because he chose you to be in his family because he wants you in his family. It's important that you and I know that. It's not a mistake. Jesus loves you and that's why he chose you. you. You made a decision, just like Lenny did, to respond to the choosing, right? Lenny came up here, didn't he? He, he? he responded to the choosing. He did not ignore me. He didn't stay in his seat. He responded to the choosing. But the only reason he got chosen was because I chose him. He didn't choose himself. And so, Jesus has chosen you, and all you did was respond to his choosing. 
And he wants you to understand that he loves you. And so what have you been chosen for? Well, if you look at the passage, you find out that you were chosen for friendship. Jesus chose you to be his friend. If you look at the passage, it says, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends because a friend shares everything. Like Jesus had started sharing with the disciples the intimate, close things that his father had revealed to him. And he said, because of this, I call you friends. Jesus wants you to be a friend to him. That's why he chose you. He chose you to be a friend before he chose you to do anything for him. It's very important that you and I understand that. If you, religion says that I need to do all these things for God so that I can become a friend of God or become close to God or be accepted by God. But what Jesus says and what this passage says is that it's the other way around. Jesus chose you to be his friend, and out of that friendship then comes the serving and the doing. It's not the other way around. Jesus has called you to be his friend. He said this to his disciples, or it says of his disciples in, in uh, Mark 4, 3, 14 and 15. He appointed the 12, whom he named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out. Do you see the order? might be with him, and then he might send them out. That's very important. Jesus has called you for friendship first, to be with him first, to know him first. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be confident in that. He wants you to be secure in that. Because that is the foundation of everything else that goes on in your Christian life. The next thing is um, found in the second part of the verse. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that lasts. Jesus didn't just choose you for friendship. But out of that friendship, he gave you something to do. He appointed you for fruitfulness. I want you to think about this. If, um, if the Queen of England were to phone me up and say, Cheerio, Nathan, how's it going? Um, I have a special task for you today. I would like you to take my corgis for a walk for the good of the homeland for, for, the, for the empire, Nathan. Take my corgis for, the walk, for a walk. I don't know about you, but first of all, I'd be very nervous because, I mean, I, I don't want to lose the corgis. But um, it would be a bit of a privilege, wouldn't it? To be asked by somebody like that to do something for them. Um, let, let me put this in perspective. Who is Jesus. Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the sovereign ruler of the entire universe. He created it through his words and he holds it all together. And he has appointed you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He has appointed you. He's not just appointed pastors 
and special people in ministry, he has appointed every one of you for fruitfulness. Now, fruitfulness, what is that? Well, Jesus wants us to be fruitful in every area that he has given to us to be fruitful in. I mean, fruitful in our families, fruitful in our workplaces, fruitful in our neighborhoods, fruitful in parenting, fruitful in every way. Anything that God has given you to do, he wants you to be fruitful in. But this passage has a particular context. See, Jesus, as I said, is about to leave, and he is about to entrust the mission that he has been on to his disciples to continue. In fact, in, in uh, John 17, 18 and John 20, 21, it says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he says the same thing to you and I. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Jesus has appointed you and I to continue the mission that he died to make possible. Isn't that amazing? What does fruitful look, fruitfulness look like in this mission? It looks like other people coming to know Jesus. It looks like you and I, as we're parenting and hanging out with neighbors and going to work and doing all these things that we do, our lives become a living testimony to the people around us of who Jesus is, and we get opportunities to invite them into friendship with Jesus. That is what fruitfulness looks like. In fact, that's the only kind of fruitfulness that lasts forever. Because Jesus said he wants us to bear fruit and fruit that remains or fruit that lasts. The only fruit that lasts for eternity is people's lives transformed by the power of the gospel. And Jesus has entrusted that to us. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a very big task. Anybody with me? That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would appoint me to continue his mission of seeing people called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light and changed by the power of the gospel. That, that's a pretty big deal to me. So this is why John 15 ends this way. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then he says, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What is Jesus saying? He's, he's saying that the kind of fruitfulness that I have in mind for you is so beyond your ability that you can't do it on your own. So I am giving you access to my Father in my name so that you can get the same supernatural results I got when I was doing the mission. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? In other words, I have been equipped for supernatural results. You have been equipped for supernatural results. This is not my power. It's not my ability. It's God's ability. It's God's power. But we have the right to access it. You might look at 
that phrase, you know, so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And you might think, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. I mean, I get to ask for anything I want. Has anybody seen Aladdin, the new Aladdin recently? I haven't seen it yet, but um, I get the principle, you know, I think I do anyway. Um, you know, guy finds golden lamp and discovers it has genie inside and gets to ask genie for whatever he wants kind of thing, right? Have I got roughly the idea? Okay, so let's do this then. Um, I get to ask anything I want, God. Okay, I want to be handsome. Nope, strike that. I already am. I want to be powerful, have tons of money, and be very popular. Poof. Is that what Jesus is talking about? No. No, he's not. This is not genie in a lamp kind of stuff. This is not abracadabra, you know, you get to ask for whatever you want. Jesus specifically says that this prayer is effective when prayed in my name. So if you're going to pray in the name of Jesus, it means that you are praying with his authority, first of all. But it also means that you have to pray in line with who he is. You can't pray in the name of Jesus something that isn't within Jesus' will, right? You can't go around praying that your enemies would die in the name of Jesus because we know that's not what Jesus wills, right? So he says, pray in my name. Ask anything in my name of the Father and he will do it. But again, listen to the context. The context is fruitfulness in the mission of seeing people come to know Jesus. It's not that we can't pray in other, uh, in other contexts, but that's what he's talking about. He has an assignment for you and I that is so big, so beyond us, that we're going to need to pray in the name of Jesus and get the, the resources of heaven at work on our behalf or it's not going to happen. And it's not just for the person beside you. I don't know about you, but I have a much easier time hearing these kinds of things and then thinking, oh yeah, Pastor Brian, totally. You know, I can, I can totally see that. Because <laughs> he's much holier than I am. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else, yes, sure, they've been chosen for friendship, amen. In fact, some of you would have an easy time if you were to sit down with someone who was really distraught, just felt like no one loved them, you would be able to say to them, you know, Jesus has chosen you for friendship. Someone who is feeling purposeless. Jesus has appointed you to be fruitful. Somebody who is in need of the power of God. You know, Jesus has promised that you can pray in his name to the Father and, and the Father's power will be released on your behalf. But when it comes to you, I'm, I'm speaking from experience, if you can't tell <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know it's in the Bible. Help my unbelief, <laughs> right? But Jesus really has done those things. He chose you before the foundation of the world for friendship. He appointed you to be fruitful, and he has given you access 
direct access to his Father in his name so that you can see the resources of heaven released in your situation so that you can glorify the Father by producing fruit that lasts. That's all for you. Do you believe it? I encourage you to think on those things. Um, so this, th- these points that I've shared with you, these three things, they can certainly be applied personally and individually, just like I have done with you. But I, I want to draw your attention to something. Who was Jesus talking to at the time he was speaking these words? Was it one individual or was it a group? It was a group, wasn't it? The 11 disciples. In other words, it was his pre-early church church. (laughs) These were the 11 guys that were going to be in the upper room praying with 109 other people. 120 were in the upper room. And out of there, that room and those people and those men, those disciples, was going to come the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was speaking to what he was planning to do in and through those 11 people. The you in that verse, I have, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you, is plural, not singular. And here's what I believe God was speaking to me to release and share with you. Koinonia, you did not choose me, I chose you. It's not just for an individual, it's for us as a church. We are not more special than any other church, but we are different. Every church that is a true church of Jesus Christ expresses his heart and life in a unique way. And each one has been called to represent him in the earth in a unique way. And that's us. Koinonia, you did not choose me. But I chose you. Before the foundation of the earth, Koinonia, I was calling a people together that didn't even know each other yet. I chose you before you ever chose me. I called you to this place before you ever decided to come. You did not call me. You did not choose me, I chose you. Koinonia, I appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. You know, God has done some great things here in and through Koinonia. I remember showing up here in 1989 with my family, worshiping in the Impact Center. The youth group was about four of us. One time I showed up and I was the only one at youth group. That was awkward. And um, there were just just... 250 maybe people at that time. I mean, that's pretty amazing as it is, five years in-ish to the church. But God has grown us from that place. He has increased our influence. He's increased our reach. He's brought many people in to this, this room that were never in. How many of you were not back in the room in Impact Center in 1989? Raise your hand. Yeah, like most of you. That's pretty cool. God has been doing something great here at Koinonia, and here's the thing. He's not done yet. There is fruitfulness ahead of us. 
God, God is not anticlimactic. You know what I mean? He doesn't like go and then crash and burn, right? That's not the way God does things. If we will keep our eyes on Jesus, if we will keep him as the center and focus of our lives personally and of this house corporately, Jesus will continue to grow us. Not so that we can have this big name or get a bigger building or be more influential or any of those things, but those things may come. But that's not the reason that we, we want the fruitfulness is because fruitfulness represents individual lives rescued from the kingdom of darkness, placed into the kingdom of God and transformed. That is what fruitfulness is all about. And Jesus is saying to, to us, as a church, I've called you to be fruitful, to bear fruit that remains. And then the last part is koinonia. I am giving you access to the Father in my name so that the fruitfulness that I have in mind for you can happen. Because we are not a country club. We are not just a group of people that like hanging out together. Hopefully you like hanging out together. I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. But I do. I like hanging out with you. But there's more to it than that. There is a purpose. There is a mission. There are people that need to know Jesus. And Jesus is saying, that's the fruitfulness that I desire, but it's only going to happen if you will seek my face and draw on the resources of heaven in my name, that's the only way it's going to happen. But it can, and it will, if we will do that, if we will keep Jesus at the center, and if we will pursue him, and if we will love each other. Remember, that's how it ends. It begins and ends with love each other, that passage. Because if we tell everybody that they need to come to church, to Koinonia, and, and, and learn about Jesus, and none of us love each other, <laughs> you could guess what's going to happen. The world will know that you are my disciples because you actually love each other. And that, by the way, just, just being very practical about this, that doesn't mean that we have to have warm fuzzies about everybody in the room. Love goes beyond feelings. There are times when I might drive you bananas, but you're still called to love me, and vice versa, right? And that's when we need the resources of heaven. That's when we need the power of God. That's when we need to seek him and say, oh God, help me. This person that you have put in my family, I am having a problem with them. Please help me, right? I want to love them the way you do. Jesus did not have warm fuzzies about everybody. He rebuked the Pharisees. I'm sure he wasn't feeling warm fuzzies about the Roman soldiers nailing him to a cross, but he loved them. He loved them. And as we draw on the power of heaven and pray in the name of Jesus to the Father, he will give us access to the resources, the grace, the power of the Holy Spirit that we need. Because Koinonia, we did not choose God. He chose us first. And he has appointed us to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. And he has given us access to the Father in the name of Jesus so that everything God intends to happen in and through this local expression of the body of Christ can and will if we will press into him. Amen?
Amen. You can clap. That's okay. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to lead us in a prayer along those lines in just a moment. But after, after I do that, as we worship and as we, as we close the service, there are going to be leaders up at the front. Our servant leadership team, our connections team, they're going to be up at the front. And maybe something that I've shared has, has touched you personally and individually. Maybe it's the fact that you want to find out more about Jesus and how he's chosen you and what that looks like and how do you respond to him choosing you. You can come. Come to the Connections team. They'll be on my right, your left in just a, in just a moment. Um, but if there's some other need in your life, we want to stand together. We want to surround each other and love each other and uphold each other and encourage one another and pray with one another. So whatever your need this morning, there's something you'd like prayer for. Don't leave this room until you've allowed that to happen. Let me pray and then we're gonna worship with Waymaker because this song, I love the words, it proclaims that we serve a miracle working God who is able to do far more than we could ever do. And I want you to sing it over your life, but also over us as a church family. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have been chosen, that Jesus, you have chosen us to be your people, that you have appointed us to be fruitful and that you have given us access to the Father in your name so that that power that is necessary to produce the fruit of lives transformed by the gospel is accessible to us. We pray that you would expand our vision. We pray that you would raise our sights, that you would allow us to see what you see. Lord, that we would not be comfortable and content as we are, that we would not be okay with just staying where we are. But Lord, what you have done in the past, may you do greater things in the days ahead. Lord, take us forward. Increase our capacity, increase our compassion, increase our love for the people you love all around us. Lord, give us the courage to be who you've created us to be. Lord, teach us what it means to be friends of God, to be your friends, Jesus. Give us your heart for the lost. Give us your heart for the broken and the hurting. Lord, we thank you. It's only by your Spirit. But we say we're ready. We desire to see your will done. And